Support for Always Sunny in Chiefs Kingdom is brought to you as always by Manscaped for all your male grooming needs. We want to say thank you to our listeners who continue to support the podcast by shopping online at manscaped.com and getting 20% off your entire order with the promo code SUNNYNKC. You guys have helped us fund this podcast and keep bringing you guys Chiefs content every week, so we appreciate that. You already know about the Lawnmower 3.0, the best hygiene tool for the modern man with patented skin safe technology that makes getting nicked a thing of the past. But they also have a nice nail kit called the Shears 2.0, which has tempered stainless steel tools, including slash tip tweezers, round point scissors, fingernail clippers, and a medium grit nail file. I'm a personal believer in these products, and if you're frustrated with your electric razors running out of batteries, becoming dull, catching your skin, you owe it to yourself to try out Manscaped. Just remember to use promo code SUNNYNKC to get 20% off your entire order. Manscaped, take your grooming game to the next level. Now back to your regularly scheduled programming. Well, Austin, it's a new day. It's January 20th, and uh, once every four years, the commonplace slash miraculous event that is the inauguration of the President of the United States took place again. Any thoughts, emotions, feelings about what what went down today? Well, it was all going down on East Coast time, and as you know, I now found myself in mountain time. So it was all a little bit early for me. I was up early. We got Molly, uh, my my dog, my puppy. She got spayed this week, so I was up early with her, you know, making sure she wasn't licking her wounds or anything like that, you know, keeping an eye on her. Uh, so I got to see uh, got to see a little footage of uh, the outgoing president, Mr. Trump, leaving the White House, you know, getting into the helicopter, using our taxpayer dollars for hopefully the last time, flying down to Florida. And then I was working all day. So I, I missed all the, the big hubbub with the, you know, the new president and the, the speeches and the swearing in and all that stuff. I, I heard it was good. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, it's a it's a new day. And I feel like everyone just needs to kind of take a big deep breath, quit, you know, worrying about everything that's going on in DC, or at least as much as we have for the last four years, it's, it's time to turn a page, focus on football. Um, you know, it's a, it's a good day. It's a good healing cleansing day. Patrick Mahomes is my president and hail to the chiefs, baby. Welcome in to It's Always Sunny in Chiefs Kingdom, brought to you by Sports Illustrated's Arrowhead Report, si.com slash NFL slash Chiefs. Find them on Twitter at SI Chiefs and, of course, Manscaped. I'm Austin. You can find me on Twitter at RealBirdLawyer. That's an Always Sunny reference for those of you that still haven't watched the show but continue to listen to our podcast and wonder what all these weird jokes are that we keep making. Here with me, as always, is my man, Taylor Witt. You can find on Twitter at Taylor underscore Witt. Taylor, what is going on? Well, we're still in the thick of it, baby. We're still uh, still fighting, still clawing. Got another game to preview. I'm fired up. Survive and advance. We got a great episode here today. We're going to talk, of course, about Chiefs versus Browns. The drama, the intrigue, the injuries, the ups, the downs. We're going to recap it all. Then we're going to do uh, our ongoing segment that we like to call What, what is happening? happening? That's an Always Sunny reference as well. For those of you that don't watch the show, 
get on it because this podcast probably doesn't make a lot of sense if you've not seen the <laughs> show. I mean, like, you know, we're, we're funny guys. It's not all reference humor, but there is a good deal of reference humor in this podcast. It's like so, the backbone of the podcast is the reference, you know? Yeah. Like, I mean, we, it's we literally the meat with the other stuff, but it's the name of the podcast. So yeah. I, you got to check it out. And actually, while I'm thinking about it, you got to go check out every man, a wildcat on Twitter and Reddit. He did an amazing gift war this week. I retweeted it a couple of days ago. Go check it out. Uh, it is based on a very famous sunny bit because of the implication. It's fantastic. Go check that out. We're going to do the mailbag. we got a couple of mailbag questions. And then we have Chiefs versus Bills for the third year in a row, Taylor. Patrick Mahomes is hosting the AFC Championship game at Arrowhead Stadium. It feels like it's been a while since he hasn't hosted the AFC Championship game. It's been exactly one year, and one year before that, he was playing in his first AFC Championship game. Now he's playing in his third in three seasons. That's pretty good. Feels pretty feels feels pretty fun. Good good times. Let's talk about Chiefs Browns. The Chiefs defeat the Browns on Sunday, twenty two to seventeen. And boy, there were a lot of twists in this one. I just every time I looked at the TV, it was like boom, twisted again. Hard to keep up. Let's talk about when we previewed this game, I feel like we were very bullish. Uh, that mm-hmm. was on Wednesday. We record these podcasts on Wednesdays. They're usually released on Fridays. By the time you got to hear our bullish forecast for this game, which was a prediction as usual, as is often the case for a Chiefs blowout, uh, there was there was some ominous sort of vibes creeping in towards the end of the week and then into Sunday morning. And what I mean by that is uh, – when we recorded the podcast last week, we were sort of under the impression that Sammy Watkins, who was goading people on Twitter, was going to play in the game. And we were sort of under the impression that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who practiced last Wednesday, was going to play in the game. And there even was some hope that maybe Willie Gay would play in this game. And it turns out that none of those guys played in the game. And not only that, the Chiefs announced shortly before kickoff on Sunday morning that Mike Grimmers, their starting right tackle, who is – their backup left tackle because Mr. Schwartz is on IR was sick and he might miss the game. He was, he was added to the injury report with a questionable tag, like like two hours before kickoff on Sunday, just not a lot of good vibes. What were you, what were you feeling? Yeah. Not a lot of good vibes at all. Um, You know, we were kind of joking around that Remmers needed to have a, a Jordan flu game and stuff like that. And I mean, it was, you know, I, I still, I was still feeling good going into the game because I knew that the chiefs would have Patrick Mahomes for four quarters of this game. And that would be enough to blow the Browns out. <laughs> I mean, that, you know, this game was 19 to three at half and we'll get to kind of how it got there, but like it was on the trajectory for being our bullish blowout. This was, this was an ass kicking at first. And uh, I, I felt good. So all morning Sunday, all leading up to the game, I felt like, all right, I'm ready to, ready to watch the chiefs do their thing. It had been three weeks since we had seen them. You know, we were kind of, we were kind of in our fiend mode where we were, hadn't seen the offense in a while. And um, I felt pretty good all day until about the third quarter. Well, let's, let's go through the, let's go through the first half. Let's, let's, let's get through that first. So you mentioned the chiefs obviously had not played in three weeks. Patrick Mahomes had last played in arguably the worst game of his career in week 16 against the Falcons at Arrowhead where the Chiefs barely won and he had a pass that should have been intercepted probably in the end zone. It was dropped right before he threw the go-ahead game-winning touchdown. And so obviously there was a lot of the usual talk about rest versus rust, whether the Chiefs would be able to come out and 
you know, get out to a fast start, get out to an early lead. And that obviously was something that did not happen at all last year. In fact, in the divisional round, they fell behind 24 to nothing after taking a week off. They obviously had the bye. They didn't take week 17 off because they needed it to get that one seed. But the Chiefs had taken some time off. There was a lot of talk about how they would be rusty, how the Browns, you know, wanted to come out and punch them in the mouth. And it, I thought it was interesting. The Browns won the coin toss in this game. And they actually elected to defer, which teams often like to do because you can set it up so you get the ball maybe at the end of the first half and then immediately get it back to start the second half. And if you're lucky, tack on a score at the end of half and then a score at the beginning of the half and essentially go two back-to-back scores and hopefully build a lead. But I was a little bit surprised that the Browns, who obviously wanted to play from ahead in this game, just the way that their team is structured, didn't elect to take the ball first. They did not. And how did that go for them, Taylor? (laughs) It went about as poorly as it goes anytime anyone gives the ball to the Chiefs. The Chiefs marched right down the field, looked like they hadn't missed a beat. Um, Obviously, with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire being out, a lot of people expected Le'Veon Bell to pick up the slack in the running game, but it was not. It was Daryl Williams. And He was extremely effective, especially on this first drive. He had a run for 12. He had another run for six. Um, Mahomes was sharp. He hit Kelsey. He had uh, a deep one to Tyreek Hill uh, for about 20 for 26 earlier in the drive. He ends up, they march right down the field. They've got a first and goal at the three, hand it off to Daryl, doesn't punch it in. Patrick runs the old uh, Super Super Bowl sprint option right play and takes it up the field for the one-yard touchdown. And before you know it, nine minutes on the clock in the first quarter, and it's six-nothing good, guys. I say six because – Good old, good old head case Butker. You know, he's, yeah, he, he had gotten rid of his yips. He had really straightened himself out after missing six extra points in the regular season. And he starts off the playoff game, the very important playoff game with a shank to the left. Yeah, it wasn't great, but Patrick Mahomes, very sharp on this drive, as you very mentioned, sharp. four for four for 41 yards. And then obviously scored on the speed option run, took it in himself, scored in, it's now three straight, four straight. I believe it's three straight games with a rushing touchdown in the playoffs. Titans, 49ers, Browns. Yes, that's right. Which tied a record held by a great Steve Young. So that tied a postseason record with rushing touchdown in three straight games by a quarterback. So Patrick Mahomes uh, in his sixth playoff game has the share of an all-time playoff record. Pretty cool. Not surprising. Then after the Chiefs go down, take that six to nothing lead the Browns get the ball and we almost immediately see you know some of the things that we maybe were a little bit concerned about the Browns obviously working off their run game working off play action Nick Chubb with a five-yard run to start the game off and then a 27-yard pass to David Njoku by Baker Mayfield and really the Browns didn't have a ton of juice on offense, we knew that their passing game wasn't going to really threaten the Chiefs deep, and it didn't. This was a short pass that Njoku kind of took into the secondary and, and made some plays. But the Browns picked up a first down on third and 10 when they got to the Kansas City 43. The Chiefs had a chance to stop them there. And then on third and four at the Kansas City 26, they ran a designed run for Baker, like off to the right side, like it was just a designed QB run with Baker Mayfield, which was, yep. I don't know, it was a nice play. It worked. Weird. It was weird. It worked. But the Chiefs defense, like they so often do, really buckled down. So with the Browns having first and 10 at the Chiefs 20, uh, Jarvis Landry takes a catch for negative three yards. He's tackled behind the line of scrimmage by Legereus Sneed. 
And the very next play on second and 13, Legereus Sneed comes off on a corner blitz and sacks Baker Mayfield for an eight-yard loss. And then Jarvis Landry picks up three yards back before Cody Parkey's a 46-yard field goal. This was a great first drive from the defense, and especially from Legereus Sneed. Yeah, it was uh, – Legereus is looking like he's going to be a centerpiece for this defense for a long time. And it's really exciting, and mm. it's obviously a home run pick there by Feech and, and his staff, but um, he just keeps getting better. And he's already started his career off very good, and he's just – we're seeing the ascent of Legereus Sneed before our eyes. I'm so, so, so here for it. Um, he's been, you know, kind of, I, I would equate him to kind of the Thornhill when his rookie year, when we didn't really know what to expect out of well, him, he was good. but he was really good. And Sneed's been every bit as good. He did miss his time with injuries, but yeah, this was great. And, you know, holding the Browns to a field goal after they got all the way down to the 20, you'll take that as a win every time, especially in the playoffs. Um, so yeah, that was a, it was a good start for the chiefs defense. They knew that they already had six on the board for the, from the offense. And if they could just kind of keep the Browns at arm's length, and fortunately the offense did their part on the very next drive. They, once again, Mahomes hit McCole Hardman, who had a fantastic game but no play bigger than this play where he just absolutely ripped 142 yards woven and out of guys looked just yeah, every bit the pass, jet was it yeah it was it was a touch pass and it was every bit the jet mccall hardman that we've come to expect that we you know when he's on when he looks like a, a poor man's tyree kill like he looks great and this was another version of that and then you know next thing you know boom 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 mccall for another nine byron pringle for 11 and Tyreek Hill try to run, and then Mahomes hit Travis Kelsey on an absolute mm. just ankle breaker. Kelsey's route over the middle was mm. ridiculous, and he dives, and when he dives, he landed on McCole Hardman at the one and then rolled into the end zone, and next thing you know, Chiefs are up 13-3 in the playoffs. Yeah, he put Denzel Ward in a blunder on this play. It's making the rounds. Go check it out if you haven't seen the replay of it. But, man, Denzel Ward was a addition to the Browns secondary, which desperately needed help in this game. He came back from the COVID list. He was the Browns' best cover corner. I saw that he had one of – he was one of the best red zone defensive backs in the NFL this year when he was healthy. And Travis Kelsey made him look like an absolute clown, <laughs> put him on his ass and took him into the end zone to give the Chiefs a 13-3 lead, and the defense, again, on the next drive, getting a stop. The Browns just couldn't really get anything going. They had, on this drive, a pass that Baker Mayfield completed to himself, but it was on third and 20 for a, um, a negative for an eight-yard loss. He should have just batted the ball down. But the Browns ended up in a fourth and 28 on this drive. The Chiefs were getting good pressure. They just weren't allowing the Browns to get anything done downfield. Tyron Matthew was all over the place with the tackle for loss on this drive. Just a fantastic performance from him throughout this game. And so it's 13 to three. The Chiefs get the ball. And once again, they're driving down the field. They get down to the Cleveland 27. Uh, Tyree Kill played a big role on this drive, as always. Uh, catches for 11 yards and 15 yards. Travis Kelsey with a couple of double-digit catches and Patrick Mahomes using his legs, a 13-yard gain. Harrison Bucker caps this one with a 50-yard field goal, puts the Chiefs up 16-3. to And, man, the Chiefs are just rolling. I mean, they yeah. couldn't punch this one into the end zone, obviously, but you're thinking, like you said, we were on the path to – a blowout. blowout. This, yeah. this is exactly what we had predicted. And that only uh, that only seemed even more likely when the Browns could not convert on this next drive. 
Yeah, it was, um, you know, it was business as usual for the Chiefs. They, after scoring on their first three drives, yeah, Butker missed the extra point, but he nails a 50-yard field goal. Like, the dude obviously has a leg. It's just a, you know, there's some struggles maybe short. But you're right, um, the Browns get the ball back. Now they're down 13 at Arrowhead in the playoffs, and they know against the Patrick Mahomes offense that they've got to, They've got to do something. They've got to really, you know, they've got to go down and score here because they get the ball back at half. All the pressure's on them, and they really do put together a really nice drive. They face no third downs on this drive. They get down all the way to the Chiefs' 26-yard line, uh, especially on a really nice first to 23-yard pass to Rashad Higgins. And then the play that everyone's going to talk about from this game, well, at least every Browns fan's going to talk about from this game. From the 26-yard line, uh, Baker hits Rashard Higgins on a nice ball, gets him all the way down to the goal line, but playoff hero himself, Dirty Dan Sorensen, makes a uh, a tackle of some type on Rashard Higgins. He (laughs) absolutely blows him up, fumbles the ball, through the corner of the end zone and out of bounds, which as everyone who's ever watched Derek Carr run the ball knows. Yeah, the Derek Carr special. The Derek Carr special. It's a turnover. Um, it's it's not the greatest rule in the world, but I'll tell you what, when it takes seven points off the board from your playoff opponent, I became a lot more thankful for that rule at that time. Um, obviously, everyone's going to talk about the type of hit and, and Sorensen's helmet-to-helmet contact, but, you know, this is a type of play that, could it have been called? Sure. There's no doubt that it could have been called. But does it get called every time in every game on every play? Absolutely not. Like these, there's a ton of contact in the NFL. Helmets hit each other all the time. If the refs think they see something egregious and they think a guy was leading with the helmet, they're going to call it. But in this case, they didn't call it. And obviously it cost the Browns a a very, very crucial seven points there. Yeah, and I mean, like you said, you don't see that specific play called very often. I mean, this is a play that we see several times a year across the NFL where you have a an offensive player that's diving for the end zone. So he, in a way, is putting himself out there. Uh, I mean, he's essentially leading with his helmet. And Sorensen in that situation, I mean, I guess you could make the argument that, you know, try and make a tackle before the guy gets to the one-yard line you know, to avoid this situation. But really in that situation, he doesn't really have any other way to make the tackle. I mean, he can't, if he goes for anything but the ball, which is in front of the defender's body, uh, he's going to be too late. The ball's going to cross the plane. It's a touchdown. He really has only one opportunity to make a play in that situation. And that's what he did. Well, and think about this. If he leads with his helmet and he gets flagged for the leading with the helmet, then it's a penalty and the Browns get the ball back, but it's not a touchdown. Like you still, you want to do everything you can to avoid the touchdown. Even if that includes penalties, even if it's a pass interference or whatever it is, if you're going to give up, the ball gets placed at the one, but still, if you're going to give up a score, you have to do anything you can to not give up that score. And listen, it's a, it's a weird rule. Like there's no, there's no obvious reason why it should be a touchback and why it should be a loss of possession for the team that fumbles the ball through the end zone. But the fact of the matter is that is the rule. Everyone knows what the rule is. And so, you know, if you're going to make a play to try and score like that and put the ball out there and dive for the end zone, you almost have to accept the consequences that could come from that. I've heard, you know, different solutions proposed, whether it be, you know, the, the possessing team, the offensive team gets the ball back, but it gets moved back to the 20. You know, I I just like, if somebody wants to propose a rule change and teams want to vote on it, fine. But the rules, the rules were what they were. 
and the Chiefs took advantage of it. Dirty, Dirty Dan made a play, and it saved seven points. And then the Chiefs getting the ball back at the 20 with the touchback with a minute and a half left uh, and two timeouts used one of their timeouts. They didn't even need two timeouts. <laughs> they went down and kicked a 28-yard field goal. This is a little bit of a missed opportunity. It felt like the Chiefs maybe could have punched it in the end zone the way they were moving the ball. I mean, as they have been all first half, this was a, an easy drive with plenty of chunk yardage on it. But the Chiefs ultimately do get another score here before the half to go into halftime with the gross score of 19 points. To yeah, let, let's just address that real quick. Uh, by the way, the Chiefs got to 19 in the way that I said that the teams mm, get to 19. Yeah, I'm yeah. just going to flex on you for a All little bit there because I have yet to see a team get to 19 the way that you described it. But, you know, maybe we someday. ran we ran the numbers on this and the percentages were not dramatic. In fact, I think the, a plurality of 19 point <laughs> games involved a touchdown and four field goals. Is that, is that not 46% correct? of of 19s were touchdown and four field goals and that is 50, a plurality but 54 percent were not and you said an overwhelming majority but you know That's we're not true, we're not gonna you know it's it's neither here nor there point being the chiefs <sighs> held a almost insurmountable given the way that the offense had performed with four scores on four possessions and a 16 point lead going into the half it just felt already over that game yes. felt over and so you're sitting there at halftime you're thinking all right all we got to do is just hold on, get out of the game healthy, everything will be fine. Just, you know, just don't have any colossal horrible things happen. And really the Browns came out of came out of halftime and they did the worst thing that you could possibly do in this situation, which was from their own 25, Baker just telegraphed the ball right to Honey Badger. Absolutely stared him down the whole way. He cut right in front of Jarvis Landry. He took it back to the 17-yard line and you and I both tweeted the exact same two-sentence tweet it's over. Mm-hmm. And it should have been because the Chiefs were obviously already in field goal range. The way they had moved the ball in the first half, you felt like they were going to get a touchdown. I mean, they're on the Cleveland 19-yard line, first and 10. So obviously a great chance for them to score there. And the Chiefs are not the most proficient red zone team. So maybe they were too close to the end zone here. Yeah. I'm not really sure yeah, what it was. back up a little bit. Yeah, Pat uh, overthrew Le'Veon Bell on second and six. Uh, kind of, I, I don't know. I mean, it was a, a ball that certainly was close. Le'Veon couldn't get to it. And then on third down, incomplete for Travis Kelsey. And then Harrison Butker, I, I, he whiffs on a 33-yard field goal. And, you know, Which I mean, you mentioned – distance is an extra point. Yes. And the Browns, obviously, like you said, when they come out of half and they throw that pick, when they get the ball, you know, they get the ball after halftime and they throw an interception and set the Chiefs up – with easy field position to score again. I mean, this felt like a missed opportunity. And man, when the Browns got the ball back, they just marched right down and scored a touchdown. And I won't say that that caused me to worry at all. I mean, it's still, you know, it's still 19 to 10 at that point. Chiefs have a nine point lead in the ball. And there was no reason to think the Chiefs were going to stop scoring. But then something (laughs) happened. All right, we got to get into it. So after... The Browns scored. Um, Everyone's still feeling fine. It's still a nine-point lead. And it's third and one. And the Chiefs call the same play that Mahomes scored on, the same type of play at least, earlier in the game. But instead of a touchdown or even a first down in this case – Mahomes gets wrapped up by linebacker Mac Wilson. He his arm kind of 
wraps behind his head. And as he's going down to the ground, kind of, kind of whips his head, I guess, into the turf, you could say. And boy, I tell you, man, I don't have kids. You don't have kids. We each have dogs. I don't know if I've ever been more worried about another life form than when I saw the look or the stumble when Mahomes tried to get up and absolutely immediately fell back down and Romo and Nance and everybody. I mean, we all just held our breaths. It was just like, Oh, Oh, he is that, that, that hit did something. I mean, he was out. Yeah. It was horrible to see the jello legs and you and I, we've talked about this before on the podcast, but you and I were at the Denver game last year where he hurt his knee. And that was obviously a horrible feeling. One of the worst feelings that I've ever experienced in a football stadium, but that was in a regular season game against the Broncos. Now, when it happened, we thought that he could be out for the year and our season right. was over and, you know, a team that had just gone to the AFC championship game was maybe going to miss the playoffs or not have a chance to win a Super Bowl because, you know, he maybe would be out for the year. But, man, this was in the playoffs and there just is something horrible about, I mean, seeing your quarterback lying on the field is one thing. Seeing him try to get up and, and almost fall back down, just uh, seeing his, his legs buckle like that, and not because of anything that happened, not because of an obvious, you know, blow to the head or anything like that. Like it just was a brain injuries are really scary, man. And yeah. it obviously affects different players in different ways. And it just was a really scary moment. And the Chiefs had no time really to process this information because it's it's third and it's fourth and one at this point. And I felt like Pat picked it up. By the way, I feel like they gave him. A- <laughs> yeah, I did think it was a bad spot too. I, I feel funny. like they gave him a bad spot, which was sort of a running theme of this game. But uh-huh. the Chiefs then bring Chad Henney into the game, who, very fortunately, as it turns out, had just played a full game, like his first full game no in joke. years. Yeah, one week prior to that, because the Chiefs played him in Week 17, having wrapped up the one seed, and they bring Chad Henney into this game and. Andy Reid in sort of a, a preview of things to come is like, fuck it. My backup quarterback's in the game. <laughs> it's fourth and one. I'm going to go for it. Yep. Yep. And uh, Daryl was huge this game. Absolutely huge this game. Massive. Ripped off a 12-yard run along the left side. Everyone could kind of breathe then. It was first down at the 40. Daryl immediately rips off a 16-yard run after that. So two plays later, the Chiefs are down at the 24. But you still look up at the clock at this point, and there's six minutes left in the third quarter, which gives you oh, 21, 21 game minutes left to nurse a 19-point lead. Sure, the Chiefs were driving, but like it was Chad Henney. I mean, there was – no no confidence that the offense was going to be able to do anything. They just lost by 17 to the Chargers with Chad Henney's led offense. And, you know, it was it was a lot of texting frantically and tweeting, and everybody kind of had one eye on the game and, and one eye on the end of the world, basically. And Chad Henney uh, did hit Kelsey for five, but it was third and six. So it was fourth and one from the 15. And even though – Andy went for it fourth and one from the 48. It's now close enough from the 15 that Andy looks up and goes, how, what's that distance? That's 33 yards. Butker's 0 of 2 from 33 yards today. <laughs> no chance he goes 0 of 3. Send the guy out there. And obviously, Harry drills it. And the Chiefs take a 12-point lead with four and a half minutes left in the third. And and my heart is just, I, I it's aching. I mean, it's a, not only is Mahomes not going to be able to lead the team 
in this game, you know, and then you're wondering, he runs back to the locker room, right? Like they, right. they put him in the blue tent and then you see him literally sprinting back to the locker room. And my first thought is, okay, okay. He's going to go back there. He's going to pass all the tests. They're going to bring him back out for the start right. of the fourth quarter. Everything's going to be fine. And it just became the longer and longer you didn't see him. And the more you thought about it, then I started thinking, well, shit, even if they win this game, what's this mean for next week? Right. What's this mean for everything? I mean, it was, it was harrowing. It was horrible. Yeah. It was a different feeling than the Denver game because again, I mean, while there was obviously that same horrible uncertainty, the stakes of that particular game were very low. It was a regular season game, like yeah. in week, whatever it was, week and five. The Chiefs week were six. up 20 to six at the time. And yeah. And yeah. the Chiefs were beating the hell out of the Broncos. There was no immediate danger. And this was a playoff game. It was win or go home. And suddenly we're being asked to nurse a lead with Chad Henney, who got bless him. I had just played, you know, against the chargers. At least he had some, some game reps, but he's not Patrick Mahomes nope. Taylor. So nope. going to the fourth quarter in this game, you know, the Browns come out in the fourth quarter and we finally start to see a little bit more Kareem Hunt. We obviously talked about it in the preview show last week. He said this was going to be personal. He was invisible in the first half. I think he got a no single touches. target. Or, yeah, a target. One or, target. Yep. And yep. it was it was incomplete. So no touches in the first mm -hmm. half. And then on this drive, after a uh, – they start off in the third quarter, but starting in the fourth quarter, second play of the, or except, second play of the fourth quarter, Kareem Hunt for 10 yards. Kareem Hunt for four yards couple of plays of Jarvis Landry, Kareem Hunt for four yards. They get down into the red zone, third and th third and goal from the three, and Kareem Hunt breaks into the end zone, scores a touchdown, and he does the sleeping celebration, which I know he did with Kansas City. I yeah. get it. It's it's his thing. It felt a little crass, to be honest with you, yeah. given, given what was going on in the game with our quarterback being knocked out with a hidden head injury. I know that's not what was going through Kareem's head, but I got to tell you that that riled me up a little bit. I was I was upset by that. Yeah, I I was too. It was definitely something that just didn't seem didn't seem very called for. It was Kareem also. Like even if another Browns player had done that, I'm not sure I would have maybe necessarily taken it that way. But everything, the emotions were just. I was hot, man. I was really hot, hot super. And hot. the lead was now five, and it was just with it, 11 minutes left with 11 minutes left. And so that means that you're going to be exchanging the ball back and forth and you're hoping to hold out an 11 win playoff team in the Browns that have one of the best rushing games in football. Uh, it, it just seemed, it, it seemed like the chiefs were down 50 and not up five. And the start of the fourth quarter was when um, the announcement was made that Mahomes was indeed out with a concussion, not just, um, you know, back in the locker room, trouble, he, right. was, yep. he was out for the game. And so everyone was just looking around going, okay, all right. Well, you know, the chiefs have, have willed their way through a backup quarterback performance and won the Super Bowl last year. And sure. It wasn't in the playoffs that they did it, but absolutely the win, the, the finishing the game against the Broncos and the win against the Vikings by Matt Moore at the time, absolutely propelled the chiefs into the two seed and the, and the playoff run and all that stuff. So, you know, they can do it. It's, it's not out of the realm of impossibility, but it starts off and Kenny um, on the first possession, the first full possession he has, he completes one to for 23 yards to Tyree kill on the first Just pass play. of the, of the, it's By an amazing Tyreek. play. He it's, it's pinned against his hip. 
It's rolling. He comes up with it, and he's right along this Brown sideline. And all the Browns immediately start signaling incomplete. They're all thinking, I saw that ball rolling around. There's no way that he came up with that. And it's a 23-yard pass. We're going to challenge. And the Browns had all three timeouts at the time. They challenge the ball. They go and look at it. Obviously, it's an amazing catch by Tyreek that's going to stand because it never touched the ground. Cleveland uses timeout number one there, which obviously, as we'll go over in a minute, is will loom quite large. Um, and then Daryl Williams runs it for one, and then he picks up a – or he, it's on second and 14. He runs for nine. And then on third and five, Chad Henney hits Travis Kelsey for 24 yards all the way down to the Cleveland 23. And I'm thinking – here we go. Like Chad's, yeah. Chad's going to do it. The Kelsey, Kelsey gets up and he does kind of the Houston Texans first down fired up. You know, I mean, Kelsey was on top of the world at that point. And then, you know, not a lot of people have talked about this bullshit crackback block that Ricky Seals Jones was called for on the first down play, but it was a first, first down run for two yards that Ricky Seals Jones, who hadn't been active all year long. It played like four snaps. Yeah, exactly. And then they call him for a crackback, which is 15 yards. So now you've it's got ridiculous. first and 25 with Chad Henney from the 38 with eight minutes to go up five. And already I'm thinking, all right, well, at least we're going to be in field goal range and push it back to eight, right? Like that's, that's going to be, if we could pick up 10 yards here and at least get Butker an easy kick, Henny decides to just go full Rex Grossman on it and just goes back and launches a rainbow 10 yards past Demarcus Robinson on the right side of the end zone. And Carl Joseph is just waiting for it, basically like a punt. Like I believe it was either Nance or Romo said that was like a fair catchable interception. I mean, it was it was as bad of a pick as as I've seen a quarterback throw in a Chiefs uniform in quite some time. And it was uh it was gut-wrenching. Carl Joseph, obviously a former Raider and the Browns take over the ball with eight minutes to go, only down five in the, oh, in the playoffs. Butthole clenching time for sure. I mean, just ridiculous, I, it, it, which is frustrating too because obviously Henny had looked really good on that drive and then that interception just kind of came out of nowhere. It's like, well, what, what, what the hell was there? he doing? What, what were you doing? And the Chiefs end up burning about three minutes of clock on that. But at that point, the clock almost becomes your enemy a little bit. You're getting down to eight minutes in the game and you're facing a team that's good at running the ball. You know, there's a chance that they keep the ball for seven minutes and yeah. score a touchdown and put you in a situation where you you now have a deficit and you have to go down and kick a field goal for the win uh, or else you lose the game. And you may not have enough time left on the clock to be able to do that. And so this really – this is crunch time, right? Like the defense obviously has to win the game at this point. And mm -hmm. they did. I mean, I mean, we'll talk about what the offense did, but the defense got to stop. They got the Browns into fourth and one on their own 29. Baker Mayfield ran a sneak and picked it up. But then Nick Chubb stuffed for a loss by Anthony Hitchens. He takes a one yard loss, an incomplete pass on second down, a completion to Kareem Hunt on third down where Charvarius Ward came in and made a great tackle. Eight of them. To, to hold them to two yards. And on third and 11, I mean, I don't know what Baker was thinking throwing nine yards short of the sticks on third and 11. That was, that was, everybody weird. was covered. I, I saw yeah. all 22 of it and he had nowhere to go. I mean, it was sure, just, a, I, I mean, but yeah. you know, you can't throw a pick there. He at least is going to punt sure. it and, and let Chad Henney have to, you know, drive the length of the field or whatever. But also let's not forget that Cleveland, after converting the fourth and one on the sneak had to burn a timeout before their first down play when they only yes. had two at the time and they were down in the playoffs. So, yes. you know, those timeouts, if they punt the ball back to us, like they ended up doing like that, 
that's 40 seconds there that you're burning off the clock by having to call that timeout. And obviously that, that proved to be, along with the failed challenge from earlier, yes. the Chiefs get the ball back, four minutes left. You got to, you got, they have one timeout. You have the two minute warning. You got to eat up, you know, probably a five, six, seven play drive at the minimum to at least burn as much as you can. And the very first play is a handoff to Daryl Williams. And I'm texting some of my friends and I'm just like, man, they're just going to hand off three times a punt. They're just going to make the Browns use their timeout. They're not, yeah. they're not going to throw the ball. And it's going to be up to the defense again. It's going to be up to the defense again, which really at the end of the day, I'm sure that probably would have worked out well. The defense just proved on the last drive that they, you know, were playing a pretty good game. Baby. Exactly right. But then on second and eight, and this play was frustrating. Henny passes it short right to Tyreek who rolls out of bounds four yards for four yards. And they kind of reviewed it to see if his progress had been stopped or anything. And it hadn't. And it, it obviously with a, with a pass play, you want it to be completed. Otherwise you're giving him a free timeout, but then Tyreek just goes out of bounds and it might as well have been incomplete. So that was basically the chiefs kind of given a little bit of clock back to Cleveland. They needed a little bit more time off. And then on third and four, the first of three, just monumental plays by Chad Henney. He completes one to Darrell Williams when the whole defense went to the right, tried to cover, cover Tyreek and Travis and all those guys. And Daryl just leaked out of the backfield Henny hits him, perfect ball, first down, timeout Cleveland. That's their third one. There's three minutes left. And at this point, with a first down with three minutes left and the defense without a timeout, you need one first down. That's what you need. Once you get that, game's iced, game's over, nothing they can do about it, right? So first down, Darrell Williams, two yards. And again, I'm texting a couple of my friends, and I'm like, God damn it, they're just going to hand it off, and the Browns are going to get a minute 20 with the ball to go beat the chiefs. Like yeah. they're just going to hand it three times and that's that. And so then on second down, Henny in the shotgun, he drops back, nobody's open. And I'm just like complete butthole clinched at that point, And he gets sacked. He doesn't lose the ball. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't throw a pick. He doesn't throw an incomplete, but he does get sacked. Which is, which is by the way, not, not the worst not thing, the worst thing that, that could happen. Absolutely. The worst thing is stopping the clock. You don't want to throw the ball away because the clock is more important than the field position. But yep. still, that sack putting the Chiefs in the third and 14 at the two-minute warning, you're thinking, well, we're going we're gonna to run – we're going to do a run play and then we're going to punt. Like, or we're going to run 40 seconds of clock off and then kick it back to the Browns. Take us home, Bird Lawyer. What happened? So, third and 14, and – Chad Henney, it, it, they call a pass play. And I actually, I, I posed this question on Twitter during the two-minute warning. Is it better in this situation to try and pick up the first down, knowing that if you get it, the game is over? You're, you're, you have to convert third and 14 with Chad Henney. Or do you run a run play, knowing that that's going to burn 40 seconds of clock, but you're almost certainly not going to get the first down? Right. And then you're going to punt the ball back to the Browns and they're going to have a minute, about a minute 20 to go down and score a touchdown and win the game. Because at that point, if they score a touchdown, you're not going to have time probably to respond unless you let them score like immediately. And that's I just would like, argue, not the kind of team that the Browns are. Cause I saw this tweet, but I never answered it. I would argue. I think you did answer it. For, and you said, you said for a run. Oh, I did. Said, I did. That's right. Run the ball. You okay. Said run yeah. the ball. I remembered seeing it because 40 seconds is a third of that clock. It's, it's a, a third of the two it's minutes. A it's a huge chunk. It's not 40 seconds compared to four minutes or whatever. I mean, it's so you have to eat that 40 seconds up. You just yes. have to regardless yeah. of what else happens. Yeah. And I, I think you're right. I think that that probably was the calculus. So when Chad Henney drops back to pass <laughs> on this play, I'm thinking like, oh, Jesus, no. What like, are we doing? What are we doing? 
But it turns out he dropped back to run the ball. <laughs> and he gains officially 13 and like 80% of a yard. Like, yeah. like it was like inches short. And I yeah. did not like the spot on this play. But to be fair, Chad Henney also dove like oh. way too early. Oh, like five just, yards earlier. He could have just kept running, and yes. he probably is going to get forward progress past the line to gain. And Chad Henney's kind of a big dude, too. He's 35, he so, like, all these kids yeah. out there aren't old nearly as strength. big as old. Yeah, right. Like, all he had to do yeah. was just keep running. Even if someone would have shoulder tackled him, no one would have blown him up. But he, he did – I liked the spot. His elbow was down early. Yeah, the guy that tackled him, uh, it was MJ Stewart, was at the line, too. So, yeah. he didn't come yeah. up to make the tackle. No. Like if Henney had just kept going, he probably picks it up. Uh, so – Man, this was a this was an incredibly emotional play for Chad Henney, you know, Chiefs quarterback. Like I'm screaming, I'm going crazy, <laughs> and then they call him short. And I'm thinking, oh, you gotta have the booth review that. Like that's right. a bad spot. You know, the emotions take over in the moment. Maybe it was a good spot. Uh, you know, it's fine. Opinions can vary about that. <laughs> because it sets up just a monumental play. And obviously you know, the calculus on third down is do you pass or do you take the time off with a run and then punt the ball back? Right. Well, now it's fourth and short and there's a minute 14 left in the game. And so you can either punt the ball away. You're at your own, you're at your own 48 yard line. So you're probably going to be able to pin the Browns deep in their own territory, probably inside their own 20, force them to come down and score a touchdown in essentially a minute with no timeouts. That's hard to do. And it's really hard to do for a team like the Browns that does not have a lot of vertical explosive threats. Like they're, they don't have a lot of guys that are going to pick up big chunks in the past game. And especially not, especially not uh, to the boundaries. I, I mean, they're very much a big play in the middle of the field kind of team, but not, not really a lot of sideline speed, but the chiefs on fourth and one, decide that they're going to run a play. Now it doesn't look like they're going to run a play. Well, yeah, there's a hidden third option, which is try and get them to jump and then call a timeout and, and punt. Yes. And it's certainly, that's what the chiefs wanted the Browns to think that they were going to do. And all year, you know, everybody tries to take credit for this after the fact, like, Oh, I was waiting for somebody to do this. I'm going to just go ahead and do it. I'm going to say like, man, all year, like I've, I've, I've been waiting years to see a team do this yep. where they act like they're going to, because if you line up like that and you act like you're not going to run a play, like that never draws teams off sides, except never. for last except for the Colts Colts against the bills did it and gave the, gave the bills a touchdown and ended up losing that game by three points. That was the first time I had ever seen that work. And the first time I had ever seen a team jump on it. And so the chiefs were trying a very low percentage play here, which was, you know, maybe they'll, Maybe they'll go crazy and, you know, their their brains will stop working for a minute and they'll jump off sides. Except then they ran a play and it was a pass play. And it was a sprint out option or a sprint out pass to Tyree Kill. But it was Chad Henney throwing the ball. <laughs> and they picked up the first down. And they did it. And the game was over and the Chiefs won the game. And I just like for minutes after this, I was like, what is happening? <laughs> because it was it was unreal. And, and the, the confluence of events that made it so surprising. So not only the situation that you described, but also Chad Henney was in the shotgun and usually on fourth and inches. Yes. You are not going to sit back in the shotgun. Number two, they, they, the body language, as Tony Romo pointed out, this was his main kind of takeaway from why there was going to be no play. He said, look at the body language. They were all, the chiefs were all standing still. Yep. Like, like it was yep. such a deke by the, by the offense. And then 
they hiked the ball with five seconds on the shot clock or shot clock on the, on the game clock on the play clock. So when you're trying to burn the clock down, cause that clock was running, you know, yes. there was, they were obviously they wanted to sap all the seconds out of the clock before they did something. Yep. But by, by hiking it with five seconds left from the shotgun with your backup quarterback on fourth and <laughs> inches, every decision that I've ever seen an NFL coach make says that you run that ball or you punt, but you don't throw the ball. It was just, it, it was just an absolute mind blower. Um, there was a tweet from pro football reference where they said not counting plays where teams were just running the clock to zero. And that would include a play like the end of the Super Bowl, where Mahomes with no time left just drops back and hucks up into the air to try and take as much time as he could. The Chiefs are the first team in their database to call a pass play on fourth down on their side of the field in the last 90 seconds of a game with a one score lead. So, I mean, first time ever. First time ever. And the Pro Football Reference database goes back to 1950. So, like, it hasn't been done. And it's just a. It was just a testament to Andy's confidence and to the the mindset of the team. You know, they asked Andy after the game, what were you thinking? How much doubt was there? And he said, no doubt, no doubt. I, I knew the game was right there for us to take and we were going to go take it. And it was just, it was just such a swaggy play and so indicative of Chiefs football, especially in the Patrick Mahomes era, even without Patrick Mahomes. I mean, it's just the, that's the mindset that the Kansas City offense has had and I mean, I'm so here for it. That is the exact way to call a football game. It it stands to in such sharp contrast to what we had just seen the week before with yes. the Titans down a score. I think they were down four points. I think it was 17 to 13 at the time. And they were in Ravens territory. It was fourth and two. Yeah. And they had one of the worst From defenses the in the NFL. And they punted the ball. It was in the 100th percentile of the surrender index that John Boyce does. And then the very next day, the Steelers down 12 in the fourth quarter after making a huge comeback against these Barry Browns with the ball in Cleveland territory on, I think, fourth and one, made the decision to punt the ball away. And it just goes to show how much Andy Reid has evolved and – how much swag and confidence he has, even in Chad Henney at this stage of his career. And I think that's, you know, part of that is he has a ring on his finger now and he doesn't get second guess if that play doesn't work, or at least he doesn't get second guess as much. He, he certainly yeah. gets second guess if that play doesn't work. I mean, yeah. I mean, Mike Tomlin has a ring, like, you know, they're, they're still going to get second guess, but they certainly have a lot more wiggle room. That ball was at the chiefs 48. If they don't convert that <laughs> the Browns take over in Chiefs territory with a minute left. You're giving him I mean, 30 free yards. You know, yeah. you're starting him either at the 20 or the 50. At least, maybe 40. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, if you can pin him, exactly right. And so it was, it was, it was just ultimate belief. It was ultimate belief. They had talked about, Chad Henney said, before they, you know, they met that week and on Saturday they were working out fourth and short plays. And he said, that's the play I like. That's the one that they had set up for him that he said he feels the most comfortable with. That's the one I like. And you know, obviously he wasn't thinking the exact scenarios with time and, and score and all that, but if it's a fourth and short play, he wanted Tyreek to cut to the right and for him to throw that out. And it was such a nice route by Tyreek. He absolutely dusted. I mean, just, they, they, they had no chance. There was infinite separation there on that route. And 
it's the game planning, the scouting, every part about the Chiefs preparation for this game. You know, obviously they had some time to sit back and analyze their potential playoff opponents. Patrick Mahomes had his notebooks. We talked about all the, you know, the the game prep for this. And the Chiefs were prepared. They were prepared for looks that they were going to get. They were prepared for what they were going to do in game management situations. And, you know, they're they're a championship team for a reason. This was absolutely top to bottom from the coaching to the backups. All the execution in this game was amazing. It was something that we'll remember for a very long time. Absolutely. Despite Patrick Mahomes having no involvement in the fourth quarter whatsoever. And part of the reason being that we will remember it for that. But there was still a little bit of, obviously it felt like sort of a Pyrrhic victory uh, because we didn't know what was going to happen with Pat. And we'll get into that in a minute. But as we close the book on this game, we turn to our segment, what, what is happening? happening? We just wanted to briefly talk about the other games that were going on last weekend because obviously they directly impact. I mean, we're, we're getting to the point now, divisional round. I mean, now <laughs> we're, we're, on champ, we're on championship weekend yeah. now coming yeah. up. And this, these are the matchups that determine that these are the four teams that are left. Let's start with the other AFC matchup, which was Ravens bills. And I, we talked about this last week. We were both very hyped for this game. Mm-hmm. I really wanted to see how the Bills and Ravens would match up. I didn't know who was going to win this game. I don't remember what my pick was. I think I picked the Bills, but I picked them in a shootout. I, like, I want to say I picked it to be like 35-31 or something like that. It was 17-13, or 17-3, and I, it was kind of a snoozer. I mean, it just it wasn't, it wasn't that good of a game. Yeah, it wasn't. It was it was unfortunate. Um, you know, these teams both had the makings of of great offenses that were going to go out there and give us an all-time playoff performance. Uh, for the record, you picked Bills 35-31 and I picked Bills 38-28. So I mean, <laughs> we expected the, we expected the scoreboard to be lighting up all night. I gave them way too much credit. Way too much credit. And really, I don't know, you know, part of that was obviously um some defensive performances, but part of it was just, just shitty quarterback play. Uh, Lamar Jackson threw his first career red zone interception in this game. And that accounted for seven of the 20 points that were scored. And Justin Tucker missed two field goals, which is something that has, he's never ever missed two inside of 50 in the same game in his whole career until this game. And it was just, it was disappointing. The quarterbacks threw for a combined 222 yards for the Baltimore quarterbacks. We'll talk about why. And Buffalo, Josh Allen threw for 206 yards. There was just nothing going on. And uh, Lamar dropped back late in the game. He was under a ton of pressure and there was a bad snap and he runs back to try and pick up the snap. And when he throws the ball away, which was a pretty athletic play on his part, but he gets his head slammed into the turf and Lamar had a head injury and couldn't return. So then Tyler Huntley had to come in and obviously everyone knew how that was going to go. Not great. Not great. The whole, the, everything was just, was just raw and awful and, and not a, not a good game, not a good game. I'd say my takeaways from it are first of all, LOL Ravens, like, Man. Lamar finally wins a playoff game and then Has pulls out worst. probably his worst playoff yeah. performance. Worst, in a game, career. worst performance, maybe. Yeah, in a career of bad playoff performances. Right. And there was a, just a, a bad, bad interception, a pick six, which obviously ended up being 
pivotal in a game that, you know, was low scoring. I mean, 17 to three, like you said, that was, they were driving down seven. I mean, yeah. that was a, you right. know, that, I mean, that's a minute left a 14, in the third quarter. That's a 14 yeah. point swing. And they lost by 14. So yeah, yep. that was absolutely um, Teron Johnson who picked the ball off outran Lamar Jackson down the sideline. He yeah, was kind of blocked wild. a little bit, but I mean, it was, it was just, you know, Buffalo. I, I remember you and I texting during this game and our takeaway was these teams are not that good. Like this yes. is, this is not a, a defensive battle that we're going to say, Oh man, we got to, you know, go up against these defenses. This was poor execution. This was just a lot of bad, bad football. And it made me feel a lot better about the upcoming matchup against the bills. I'll say that much. Yeah, me too. And we'll talk more about the bills, obviously here in a minute. Uh, yeah. Rams Packers. We don't have to spend a whole lot of time on this game. No. Packers 32 Rams, 18 Aaron Donald, not himself. Aaron Rodgers was himself Packers looked dominant they beat the hell out of this Rams team and they're obviously going to be a very formidable opponent this week against the Bucks and if they make it beyond that certainly an enticing matchup in the Super Bowl yeah yeah the Packers are the best non-Chiefs team in football I don't think there's any question about that Rodgers is going to be the deserved runaway MVP of the year um, their offense clicks, their defense has a ton of playmakers. The Rams were the lowest scoring defense in football and the Packers put 32 up on them and really coasted in this game. They were up 19 to 10 at half. And then they kept pushing the lead out. They were up 25 to 10 at one point. They just, they looked like a very, very good team that has a very good shot at winning the Super Bowl. The third matchup was very interesting to me. It was the geezer matchup, the AARP Tampa Bay versus New Orleans. What ended up being the final game of Drew Brees' career. Um, It was, and now I guess he hasn't officially announced that, but Jay Glazer said that he was going to retire. And I think all all signs indicate that much. Um, Tampa Bay won this game. 30 to 20 and the saints, the saints had four turnovers. The breeze had three interceptions and they lost a fumble and they just weren't executing the way they should. Tom Brady had tons of short fields. The Buccaneers drives started from the new Orleans three, the new Orleans 40, the new Orleans 20 were a couple of these were after um, turnovers and all three of those drives obviously ended in touchdowns and that's 21 of their 30 points that started after picks that so I mean you know Tom Brady gets gifted short fields I guess that's just kind of he's he's pretty used to that by now but um yeah it just I I'm very interested to see how the Bucks and the Packers match up for a second time obviously everyone remembers the 38 to 10 ass kicking that the Buccaneers handed the Packers in week six. Yes. And it's just kind of, it's, it's two week six matchups this week in the championship round. And the both the first time weren't very close by the uh, chiefs and the bills and then the bucks and Packers. So we'll see how it goes this time around. Should be interesting. Should be fun. We are looking forward to that bucks Packers. We'll talk about it next week. Obviously we'll see what happens. Let's do a little mailbag, and we're going to start off here with a question from our man, Andrew Whiteside, at OUSAS. <laughs> question for the pod. Has Dirty Dan cemented himself a position in the Chiefs ring of honor? If not, what does he still need to do? Man, this is, a, this is an interesting question because I feel like ring of honor is a I, – I don't feel like I have a good handle on exactly what it means to be in the Chiefs ring of honor. And – I feel like for every team, it's a little bit different, right? Like there, there are some teams 
I think I was reading the other day, the Texans have one person in their ring of honor. It's Andre Johnson. And obviously <laughs> the Texans have not been around that long, but you know, with the chiefs, like y- you have a long history and up until Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid got here, you mean you weren't winning Super Bowls, but there's a lot of players in the Chiefs Ring of Honor. And you know how many? I don't. It's 36. probably 36. Wow. I was going to say, I was going to guess maybe on 30. So it's, it's actually more even than I thought it would be. You know, I think that judged by the standards of the players that are already in the Ring of Honor, and I'm not going to besmirch anybody in particular, but I think judged by the standards that we've we've allowed some of these people into the Ring of Honor, I think Dirty Dan has a pretty good chance. I mean, I fe- it feels like every guy that's a even a, a above average contributor on these Super Bowl teams and plays with the team for you know four or five years should be in the Ring of Honor because these are the best Chiefs teams ever. Here, here's the deal: it's not the Hall of Fame. So everyone that you know that talks about a guy being worthy of the Ring of Honor, this is not. You don't have to be the best at your position or any, you know, lofty Hall of Fame standards. You just have to be memorable. You just have to be a guy that when the fans of that team think about that team 20 years later, they go, damn, remember Dirty Dan? And yeah. team Hall of Fames are not supposed to be this like, oh, I'm only going to vote one guy in every four years or, right. or whatever. You know, unless, unless you're the Texans. Unless you're the Texans and then they only <laughs> let Andre Johnson in. But um, I think that's my way of saying that, you know, I don't think that a, that a lot of players of like lesser caliber than Dirty Dan should get in above him or anything like that. But dude's been here since 2014. So that's 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. He's on his seventh year with the team. He has been in the top two on defensive snap percentage three times of those seven years. So, I mean, he's put in time and Obviously, he probably should get in the Ring of Honor just from the Texans game alone last year. Even yes. if literally if he never played another down before or after that game, that was enough for me. So, I mean, yeah, long, long, short answer here. Um, yeah, I think he's done enough, and I think that that's, that's okay. That's a good thing. Yeah, I agree. Let's do, let's do a little draft action, Taylor, before we get into our game preview for this week. We love drafts. This comes from our man, Parker Padgett. He actually – he just asked us to pick the top 10 Chad Henney slash Matt Moore plays from the last two years. But I decided that we we're going to turn it into a draft because we love to draft. Parker Padgett, thank you for this question. Kaka! Kaka! So, uh, is Parker Padgett a bird of war? I'm not he, sure, but if he, he wasn't be. before, he you is are, now. You Kaka! are now. I'm, I'm, not, I'm missing my list right now, Parker. Kaka! But if, Kaka! if we have never caught you before, Kaka. Oh, he's contributed some great stuff for us. So, Parker, yes. congratulations if you were not previously inducted into the Birds of War. So, Taylor, last week I drafted first. Yes. Which means this week you get to draft first. Yes. So, we're picking Henny or more plays. Number one, we obviously just detailed the heroics of the end of the Browns game. So, number one, I'm going to go with the final game, final play to beat the Browns. Henny to Hill for five yards for every reason that it was so insane and memorable and awesome. That that play will stick with me for a long time. Yeah, I am going to take at number two the the other half of that play essentially, yeah, right? Which right. was the thirteen and you know nine tenths of a yard <laughs> scramble on third and fourteen. By Chad Henney, we obviously, we already talked about that play, but those those plays are, I mean, I feel comfortable using the word iconic. Those are iconic yeah. plays. They're, yeah. they're just, they're part of Chiefs lore now. Yep. 
yep, they will go down forever. What's pick number three? So for pick number three, for me, I've got a few different options here. The Henny ones are fairly obvious because they're in playoff games. And so, you know, we're going to remember those because you remember the playoffs. But I'm going to go with, you know, just because just because we have a very limited well of Chad Henney, Matt Moore playoff plays, <laughs> I'm going to go with Chad Henney on that completion and Tyree kill. The circus catch. This is really more about Tyreek. It's really a Tyreek highlight. Sure. But it was a big play a and the resulting unsuccessful challenge by the Browns, as we talked about, was uh, ended up being huge in this game. So that's where I'm going to go two and three. We're going to, we're going to go two more Henny plays Poor Matt Moore. He's going to, Oh, that's get all right. out here. I got I got my guy Matt here. He's going he's going uh, four and five. So number four for my pick is Matt Moore to Tyree Kill for fifty seven yards on a touchdown against the Broncos after Mahomes had left with a oh, knee injury. Yeah, uh, you and I were famously driving home from this game during this play because yes, we had we left were. at halftime. Rage quit. It was not. We had we had no we wanted no part of this game after Mahomes left, and so we heard on the radio uh, that Matt Moore hit Tyreek Hill over the top to go up twenty seven to six in this game. It was already you know the game was a blowout, but I just I'll always remember that um, the you know the first touchdown after Pat. It was just uh, well I guess the first one was the sack fumble recovery. Yes, but the first offensive play. Um, so, you know, that was, um, that was very memorable. And, Matt and Moore, an iconic radio call too. just the uh, despondency of the uh, Denver play-by-play guy. Yeah, Cause we were listening to play. the Denver play. Yeah, 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 It was, it was very funny. It was, very yes, funny. it was, it was. And then for number five, going back to Matt Moore here for the 41 yarder to Tyree kill with the chiefs down three with four minutes to go against the Minnesota Vikings to set up Harrison Butker's game tying 50 yard field goal. He would go on to hit a game winning 54 yard field goal in this game. But this was, um, this was just a great, the chiefs absolutely needed some offense here. They were on the ropes against a very good Minnesota team and Matt Moore hit Tyreek on a beautiful rainbow on the right side Tyreek ends up putting them in field goal range and they win that game miraculously with their backup quarterback. So that's going to be my play number five. Yeah. I'm actually going to go with another play from this game as well. And that was the first touchdown of this game. Matt Moore hits Tyree kill for 40 yards for a touchdown. And this was, again, this, this is really a Tyreek highlight, but you know, when you have playmakers, your backup quarterback, all they got really have to do is be able to get the ball in the hands of your playmakers. Like Pat mm-hmm. likes to say, you know, I get the ball to my playmakers. I let him make plays. That right. is what Matt Moore and Chad Henney were born to do. This was just a, a good play. He put it out there. Tyreek stretched for it and rolled into the end zone. It was, it was a good play. Uh, I'm going to go then. I'm going to go maybe with a little bit of a dark horse here. And I'm going to go with Chad Henney against the Denver Broncos. <laughs> 2020 <laughs> in a game where the chiefs the were leading 36 to 16 Chad Henney goes into the game in the fourth quarter because it's a blowout and runs the ball in from the one yard line <laughs> to score a touchdown and puts the chiefs up 43 to 16. I mean, this was uh this is a play that I will remember because it was against the Broncos because it was, it was hilarious the hell out of them. But you know, like Andy, Andy like doesn't run up the score on people. Like we literally uh, in 2018, you probably remember this against the Bengals. How could I forget Chiefs it? Literally were like, they, they had, I think they had their backup quarterback in the game in that game as well. And 
that would have been Chad Henney in 2018, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was. Yep. Yeah, so I think they had Chad Henney in the game in the fourth quarter of that one on their last drive of the game, and they were just running the ball, and the, the Bengals literally, like, couldn't even stop them. And so <laughs> the Chiefs, like, Andy literally, like, he he had them kneel down and not kick a field goal because he didn't want to, like, embarrass the Bengals anymore, right? But this game, he's just like, eh, fuck it. Yeah, Chad, it's the Broncos. Go, go score the touchdown. Chiefs go up 43-16. That was a fun play. Give me that one. <laughs> I love it. That's great. Um, all right. So I've got two and that's going to be, um, so Matt Moore in the showdown with Aaron Rodgers and the Packers on Sunday night football, the, the Chiefs started off and they were down 14 in this game, but then they found some life and he hit, he had two touchdown passes that were, the first one was basically nothing that he did. He had a pop pass to McCall Hardman who went around the left side, cut in, cut out, looked just absolutely like peak McCall Hardman there and tied the game at 14 on that jet sweep pop pass. But then the first score of the game, which is the other play I'm going to take was this beautiful rainbow to Travis Kelsey for 29 yards. Matt Moore takes a shotgun, fakes the handoff, drops back, Pressure in his face by the Packers. He's falling away off his back foot, and he floats this ball 29 yards up. And I just remember the camera cuts over, and Travis Kelsey's the only one in the frame. And he kind of has to reach a little bit down to grab the ball. And then he does a little, like, jump, extend the ball into the end zone, scores, places going nuts, you know, because the Packers looked like they were going to run away from it. So those two Matt Moore touchdown passes, I was uh, huge fans of both of those for obvious reasons. I'm going to take a deep sleeper here that I don't think was on either of our lists coming into the draft, but I just remembered that it existed. And I'm going to take Chad Henney kneel down, baby, to clinch <laughs> an appearance in the AFC Championship game for the third consecutive year. Chad Henney, take a knee. That's my last pick, Mr. Irrelevant, but mark it down. That's an easy one. Chad it. Henney kneel down to go to the AFC Championship game. Good draft, good draft, good draft. Good draft. Thank you for that one, Parker Padgett. We appreciate being able to turn that into a fun little draft segment. Taylor, that brings us to, as always, the last segment of our show, which is our preview. Chiefs versus Bills, AFC Championship game, everything on the line, a trip to the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 55, LV on the line. And I guess we should start probably with the injury situation because this is, this is, kind, of the, this is kind of the elephant in the room. Now, we have the benefit of recording this on a Wednesday. And so because we only record this podcast once a week, this is like one of the only times that major breaking news for us, especially with injuries, has fallen on Wednesday. There was some question about whether Patrick Mahomes would play in this game. And I feel like that question has more or less been answered today. The concussion protocol is a little nebulous in nature in general. There's just a lot of, you know, there are a lot of hoops that everyone has to jump through, but the exact nature of jumping through those hoops is not really known. The timelines are all wonky. Some players can take a week. Some players can, you know, so there's a lot of questioning going on. And then when you compile that on top of it being the most important player in sports, it just everyone's important game of the year and the most important game so far. Yeah, absolutely. It's just one of those deals where everyone wanted to know every detail. Um, Carrington Harrison on six ten was great with a couple early, early indicators on kind of how things went. Um, for Patrick right after the game and then the following day where he was saying that um, the belief, you know, was not that it was a concussion, but that it was a pinched nerve because of just how 
how the how the injury was and kind of how Patrick reacted to it and that he the reason that when he went into the protocol <laughs> Carrington said that he missed one question about the game that caused him once you have uh, once you have the the loss of the legs and then the missed question that's it you're out and I don't know what the question was you've obviously joked that hmm. it was probably what down and distance was it and he said any down and distance any down and distance I don't, I don't care. care yeah exactly but point being Today, it was very important for him to not have any setbacks since Sunday. It was very important for him to get out there, be with the guys, practice. And the reports were that Patrick Mahomes practiced today. I mean, just let that sink in for a second. He practiced. It was Uh, monumental news. It was probably the biggest news of the day in a day where we got a new president of the United States. (laughs) Right. Well, and also stuff going on. Not only did Patrick Mahomes practice, Sammy Watkins practiced, Clyde Mm. Hilaire practiced, Rashad Fenton practiced, Bashad Breland practiced. Everyone on the team that is not currently on the IR practiced today with the exception of Willie Gay. So that is our injury situation. And man, we talked about it leading off the show with kind of the vibes going into the Browns game last week. We kind of expected to have several of those guys last week and we didn't get them. And it sort of gave you this sort of ominous feeling almost about the game. And then obviously Remmers almost had to sit out with a, an, an illness on the day of the game. This injury situation is much more positive and yeah. having all of those guys healthy and having Patrick Mahomes will obviously give the chiefs a tremendous amount of confidence going into this game. You got to feel like they can beat the bills handily, frankly, with everyone at full strength. I, I tweeted this out earlier and the Billy, the, the Bill Gay, the Willie Gay injury, Obviously, is unfortunate. He had a high ankle sprain in week 17 and is apparently still working his way back from that. I don't see that as a huge loss in this game simply because the Bills play a lot of 1-1. They're going to put the Chiefs in their base defense quite a bit. Willie Gay doesn't really have a role in the base defense at present. Um, just the, the nature of the Bills' attack, which is really more you know pass-focused, is going to probably not – we're not going to lose a whole lot from not having Willie Gay on the field this week. I don't feel like no. On the other hand, having Clyde back <laughs> is pretty huge because Clyde absolutely dominated the bills in week six, racked up uh, over a hundred yards, 61 yards, 161 yards. Carries. Yeah. He was, uh, he was phenomenal that game. And that was a game where the bills came in and they kind of game plan to take away the deep passes from the Chiefs, So they, ran a lot of shells and a lot of deep looks and, and the chiefs just took what they gave them. And what they gave them was Clyde Edwards Lair running. And fortunately with as dynamic of a, of a talent as Clyde is, he was able to take those opportunities and make the most of it and really, really put the team on his back in that game for sure. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's funny that Clyde has had such a backseat role in this offense this year. Like he's just, even though he's been, the number one running back for the majority of it. And he was a number one, you know, first round draft pick and all that stuff. And he did have 800 yards rushing. I mean, he wasn't nobody, but it's just, you kind of forget that the chiefs invested a lot into a really, really nice young running back. And I have a sneaking suspicion that with a week off last week, he is going to come out fresh and he's going to, He's going to really make the Bills remember exactly how that week six matchup went. Um, I'm really looking forward to that. I know the Bills lost Zach Moss to their injured reserve, their young, good running back. So they're basically just going to have Devin Singletary in their backfield. I'm not even quite sure who else would 
be in their backfield behind, besides him. Uh, I think they have TJ Yeldon, maybe. TJ Yeldon, that's absolutely right. I think, absolutely I think right. is yep. uh, their RB3. Yep, that's right. Um, so they're a yeah. little, little nicked up in that department. Um, and, you know, obviously the weather is supposed to be a little nasty next week. Um, hard to say exactly what it'll be, but we're looking at low 20s and maybe a little bit of precipitation. Um, obviously the weather played a huge factor the last time these two teams played in up back up in Orchard Park. And I just, and the chiefs got the better of them and the chiefs got the better of them because they're a more balanced attack. The, the bills don't have a running game. They're really a pass. You, they, you remember how many called run plays the bills ran in the first half against the Ravens? Uh, it was one or none. One. It was, it yeah, was Devin's yeah. single carry in the first half for one, <laughs> one rushing attempt. So, I mean, you know, they're going to have to find a little bit if the Bills want to hang with the Chiefs. They're going to have to find a little bit in their rushing attack because if they're trying to go out there and throw the ball 55 times against the Chiefs, it ain't going to work. Digging into some of the the juicy narratives in this game, I guess starting with the weather, not only did the Chiefs really dominate that game in Orchard Park, you know, we're going to hear a lot this week. We already have heard a lot about you know, the Bills, and this is obviously the first time they've been back to – not the first time they've been back to the playoffs, but the first time that they've made it this far into the playoffs since they went to and lost four straight Super Bowls. And there's been a lot made of Josh Allen and, you know, his grit, for lack of a better word, you know, how he fits the city. And, you know, Buffalo is a pretty nasty place in the winter. And, you know, it's one of those things where I feel like they're trying to be – you know, almost like the AFC version of the Packers where it's like, oh, you know, like we want it to be 15 degrees and snowing and blah, blah, blah. No, they don't. Not only did they lose to the Chiefs in week six and frankly look terrible in comparison. I mean, the Chiefs won by 11 points, but that game, I mean, the Chiefs dominated beyond the spread there. I mean, the Chiefs were in complete control of that game the whole time. The the Bills last week were playing in kind of a bad weather game where it was windy, and they they really struggled to move the ball against a, a good Baltimore defense. But you know the the deep passing of Josh Allen was not on point last week. That's obviously a big part of their game, especially when they can't run the ball, which is currently where they're at. And on the other hand, Patrick Mahomes. I don't think we've seen a weather game yet where the weather's really affected him, whether it be wind or snow or sweet sleet or hail, whatever it is. Pat always delivers the mail. <laughs> he does. Um, he's a snow game guy, as he has said in the past. And it, it just, things line up pretty well. If you look at the big picture of what both teams bring to the table for this matchup um, where, you know, the chiefs have, people keep forgetting the chiefs have lost one game this year. You know, like they are, they have won 24 out of Patrick Mahomes last 25 starts. Never, never been done by a starting quarterback in the history of the NFL before. It is just, it's, it's really, really, really hard to beat this chiefs team. It's not impossible, but it's really, really hard. And the bills are a damn good team. We've talked about where they match up with or where they stack up with all chiefs um, playoff opponents since 2018 and I mean, I would say they probably rank, you and I talked about this a little bit ago, we probably think the Bills are the second hardest team the Chiefs have played in the playoffs behind the San Francisco 49ers. That's what we came up with, right? That's yeah, I mean, them. yeah, yeah. I, we talked about this off the air, yeah, so to speak. And yeah, I mean, I think if you were to add up all the teams that Chiefs have played, the Chiefs have been fairly fortunate to play some some pretty bad teams in the playoffs by by playoff team standards. I mean, no super teams. That 18 Patriots team is probably the third best team that they played. That team obviously won the Super Bowl, but, you know, 
they really weren't that impressive. I mean, they were fine. The Chiefs should have beaten them. Fuck D Ford. But this Bills team is not necessarily very balanced on offense, but they do have a, a situationally good defense, defense that's been getting better all year. I do think that 49ers team that they played in the Super Bowl is probably the best overall team that they played, but, you know, not quarterbacked by an elite quarterback. And and really the only elite quarterbacks that you used to played in the playoffs have not been quarterbacking very good teams. Deshaun Watson <laughs> is the one obviously that stands out, but the Texans were a dumpster fire around him. This is uh, the first time that the chiefs really will be playing you know, a, a quarterback that could reasonably be considered elite. I guess you can Man, make was that luck? argument about. Or was that Brissett? Uh, it was he, luck. He, yeah, we we sent was. luck into retirement. We That's right. Yeah, yeah. Retirement. I you mean, can make the was, argument about luck. He was you can make good. the argument about Brady too. Um, in 2018, both of those teams, the Colts and the Patriots teams that the Chiefs played in 2018, you could make the argument for it. But I'd say, I'd say Josh Allen is playing at a higher level than either of those quarterbacks in 2018, and. I think the quality of the team around him is higher. I, this is this is going to be a tough matchup for sure. There's one other narrative that I wanted to kind of throw out there that hasn't been getting a whole lot of buzz. I tried to drum up some hype for this narrative on Twitter uh, today, but that's the Sammy Watkins revenge game narrative. And here's the deal. Sammy Watkins drafted by the Bills, I believe fourth overall, and he was the first wide receiver taken in that draft and a draft that included guys like Odell Beckham Jr. Some really good wide receivers in that draft who ended up having, you know, by any measure, better careers than Sammy Watkins. Sammy gets traded to the Rams. Spends the year with the Rams, comes to the Chiefs. This will actually be the first time that he's ever played the Bills in his career. And so this is a team that drafted him in the first round. And, you know, players spin things different ways, but it's, it's definitely it definitely doesn't make you feel good, I don't think, when you get traded. Unless you're the one asking for the trade sure. the trade. I, I mean I think I think it's fair to say that Sammy probably certainly could drum up some motivation from that. But even if he couldn't, Taylor, let me tell you something else. Sammy Watkins has an incentive in his contract that says that if he plays more than fifty percent of the snaps in the AFC championship game and the Chiefs win and go to the Super Bowl, Sammy Watkins makes a cool $1.25 million. Ooh, I don't care how much money you've made in your career. Somebody puts a million dollar check on the line and for one you're, game, you're going to, and all you have it. to do is play more than half of the snaps and, and it's win. playoff. Sammy playoff, playoff. Sammy averages 94 yards a, a, a game for his five games with the chiefs. And he has two 114 yard games so far since the emergence of Pat Mahomes. And you know, he, shows his best self in these playoff games and sure it didn't happen against the Browns. He was a little nicked up. That's kind of how Sammy does, but when he's out there, he's Dustin Richard Sherman. He's catching AFC championship game winning 60 yard touchdowns. He's doing his thing. He's, he's got, you know, like you said, he was picked fourth overall. The, the, the pedigree to be picked fourth overall as a wide receiver. Let me tell you the first round wide receivers that went in that draft later. Mike Evans went seventh. Odell Beckham jr. Went 12th. Brandon cooks went 20th. And then former chief great Kelvin Benjamin went 28. So it was, uh, huh. it was a nice 2014 draft for wide receivers, but Sammy Watkins is a stud. He, he can, he can get things done. And I think having him back in this game, um, you know, people always cite different numbers for points per game and yards per game and stuff like that with chiefs with Sammy and without Sammy, there is no, I mean, the chiefs are much, much, much better with Sammy on the field, even if he's not producing. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you want to pick this game, Taylor? You want to you want to pick it? Yeah, you know, um, I have been picking Chiefs games for Sports Illustrated every week. I have basically picked a Chiefs ass kicking every week that I've been doing it, just because I always feel confident with this team. I always feel like if they're going to go out there and hang forty or fifty on somebody, that I saw it coming because they just they just have a lot of juice. They have a lot of offensive firepower in it, but. They haven't really done that lately. They they did score over 30 against the Saints, but um, they haven't really gone out and put together a an absolute, you know, perfect offensive game like I know they're capable of. So I'm going to pull the old reverse jinx. I know uh, I don't believe in jinxing and any of that stuff, but I'm going to say the Chiefs win this game 21-14, and then lo and behold, it's going to be a blowout. I'm going to pick a closer game too, just because I, I do have a lot of respect for the Bills. I think it'll be a tough game. I'm going to say it's 31-24. So I'm going to guess a touchdown as well, a little bit higher scoring than you. But we're both picking a Chiefs win. And boy, I tell you, Taylor, if we're right, that means we're going to be breaking down another Super Bowl appearance in a week's time. That's going to feel pretty good. Mm -hmm. 